I just wanted to uh, start the podcast this week and thank everybody out there for reaching out to me uh, these last couple weeks. Um, obviously, a tough time for my family in the passing of my dad, but I uh, really appreciate all of the kind words, all of the messages, all of the um, different ways folks have reached out, and uh, certainly the reception that the column got uh, on Monday. So anyway, just wanted to start the podcast and uh, apologize for um, not having a show for you last week, but um, very thankful for everybody's uh, kindness through this uh, through this time. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States, in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, June the 28th. And um, I love when a plan comes together. And I think it was Dave who said we needed to record Tuesday this week instead of Wednesday. And lo and behold, the content gods looked down upon us and said, here, have some content. Um, the ACC released its 335 scheduling model today with all of the different breakdowns. We're going to dive into all of that. Um, if, if folks who, who are longtime listeners of the show will, will remember, several weeks back, we, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say we necessarily picked it as much as we sort of like offered our own choice. So we're, but we are going to kind of score it a little bit, um, sort of what we kind of wish casted it to be versus what it ended up being. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, um, message board um, contributor. Oh, you forgot my name for no, a second. No, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to, I'm trying to come up with different things to call you each time I introduce you, and I couldn't remember what I called you uh, a couple weeks ago. Anyway, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good, man. Uh, my two permanent rivals on the podcast, as usual, so <laughs> that's good. Who days on the board at? Who days on Twitter? I think that might be the fastest we've ever gotten a title for a podcast before. My two permanent rivals is pretty great. Um, and in Charlottesville, editor-in-chief Justin Fur was also on the program. How's it going, my dude? That was really good. Um, pretty good joke. I'm, I'm pretty proud of uh, Dave for coming up with that in a few hours, but that was good. Um, <laughs> in a few hours. I, love I was it. like, wow, like, that was very well crafted. Uh, no, I was in my it, head for the last few minutes. Well, it's funny, too, because I went back and looked to get the schools that we – you know, I tried to suggest for each one. And the name of that podcast was they're going to get BC and they sure didn't. Um, <laughs> and they is Virginia tech, I believe in that. Scenario, yeah, I think it was. And they yeah, didn't, it was. they didn't get it BC at Justin underscore for on Twitter. Cavs corner. Also on Twitter, Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items and the occasional witty banter. Um, all right. So they, the ACC released its three, three, five situation today. Um, unbeknownst to literally everyone, um, I kind of I kind of love the fact that they did this, and I'm also very angry that they did this. Um, a part of me really would much rather them have, you know, um, told us that it was coming, so we could have been prepared and all that fun stuff. Um, but anyway, so from 2023 to 2026, they've essentially released all of the uh, of the goodies, right? So we know, for example, you know, obviously you guys care about Virginia. 
Um, we know Virginia's three primary opponents um, that are they're going to have, and they also know who their 23, 24, 25, and 26 conference opponents will be. Um, this is a lot of scheduling stuff. And I do a podcast with two gentlemen who love scheduling stuff. So if scheduling stuff is not your jam, I'm going to ask you to still hang in there with us. Um, but I promise we won't get too deep in the weeds. I will do my best to keep the thing between the lines. Um, Dave, let's start with you. Initial thoughts on what you saw from 335. Are you pleased? Are you confused? Is it a meh? Like, how are you feeling tonight now that you've seen it all? I mean, my first thought was maybe I should go on the side thread with Justin because I know we're about to blow this thread up because <laughs> we got scheduling news. Um, no, it, I mean, honestly, that was my first thought. My second thought was I'm a little surprised how quick the ACC moved on this. Um, yeah, they did, uh, didn't they? Unnecessarily a league known for doing that. Right. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, making a quick pass through the rivals. Um after I had a second to do so. Yeah. I mean, I think they did an okay job. No one's going to be a hundred percent happy. I don't know if anyone could have been, um, but you know, like we talked about in the uh, podcast consider um, concerning the three, three, five, even if you get stuck with a permanent Bravo, you don't love, at least you still get to play the other teams more. Um, right. Right. So, I mean, I'll take where, what are, what we got, you know, someone had to get Clemson. Luckily we weren't, we weren't one of them. Um, <laughs> But, would yeah, have been very I mean, intriguing considering the current yeah. coaching situation. Overall, I mean, I think it's exciting. Um, something new to look forward to next year. And, you know, I really appreciate the ACC getting this. You know, we talked about it too. Like, you know, they're probably going to have to release four years of schedules when they do this. And they did. Um, yeah. So that's good. I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to um, being able to go to some stadiums I haven't been to in a while. Yeah. I, for, before I get your thoughts, I should I should at least mention, you know, for those who may not have seen it yesterday as you listen to this, um, Virginia's main rivals. or it's We just never primary. mention it. I know. <laughs> we just never talk about it. So Virginia's pr- three primary opponents are, are Virginia Tech, North Carolina, uh, and Louisville. Um, I, I, I'm going to – I'm not going to stand for, for Louisville, but I am going to – I think the, the, the response I've seen today about Louisville being the third – uh, primary partner it seems like there's a lot of people out there who are very i don't know frustrated mystified bewildered um about this I, i'm i'm probably going to get a lot of people mad at me later when we get into this um but anyway those are virginia's three primary opponents and we'll go through sort of what the schedules look like uh over the next few years ferber as you looked at the 335 overall and for uva specifically what were your initial thoughts I mean, I like it better than UVA defense three three five that we wow. saw last year. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> well, that would also be too many dudes for the record. Yeah, is it? A no, it's not. Oh yeah, you're right. That's literally the defense that they <laughs> sorry. ran last year. Sorry, no, I was thinking of the I was thinking of the, of the non conference schedule on top of it. And I was like, that's you too might, many. You might be able to make it dudes. They didn't have enough dudes. <laughs> that's fair. Should have had a couple more. <laughs> Plug some gaps. Yeah. No. Um. Honestly, like I, I agree with what Dave said. Um, I, you know, none of us had Louisville as UVA's partner. And I think we were all doing that in the, in the idea that they would try to do something different, but we should have been a little bit smarter. Um, and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, assume that they would just go with the default because that's how things work a lot of times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Dave's point of, you know, even if you get a team that maybe wasn't your first choice or eighth choice, (laughs) um, as your primary opponent, um, you know, you can still play everybody else more. 
And with Louisville, it's basically instead of playing them every other year, you're playing them every year. So it's not like a huge difference or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think Dave actually mentioned this on the first podcast we did about this, but how the, the rest of the teams are split up year to year is also like probably just as important or more so. Um, so that was interesting. And I think it kind of went pretty balanced for UVA, but yeah, I don't see any like major surprises in everybody's three. I mean, there's a couple where you're like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. But if you do a little bit of digging or whatever, you can figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we did, we knew what two of them were going to be. Um, and, and the other one, you know, it, it didn't end up being what we thought, but I'm kind of with you too. Like I don't, Louisville's not, I'm not, I, I don't want to make it a thing. I don't, I'm not excited about it, but I mean, to me, it's like, if you put wake in there instead of them, maybe it's because wake's been in the other division for so long. Like they feel they don't, that doesn't feel like a rivalry to me. Really. It's a little closer in terms of distance and, and it's in a more, relevant recruiting yeah. area but right i don't really i i think uva fans would probably get tired of that game too same if it's like Pitt or syracuse or boston college or whoever um i think eventually that would kind of wear itself out and so maybe they will switch it up after four years but that remains to be seen yeah that's a that's a good point nobody has used the word permanent right i i have a couple things here one i, I as i looked across it i didn't think anybody really got sort of everything they wanted. Maybe Boston College did because they basically got all big E schools, you know, the old the old, you know, rivalries and such. Um I, I feel like, you know, on some level, the Louisville thing, I guess I'll speak to you really quick. I was gonna I was thinking about maybe burying this into the pod a little ways before because I just don't want to deal with any vitriol. Listen, I get that folks are like, you know, why Louisville? That's kind of boring. Um you know, stop trying to make fetch happen. Totally understand that. Counterpoint, look at this league, okay? If you look through every one of these teams, right? If you look through the primary partners for everybody's team, there's at least one team in every group that's like, huh? Now, Boston College might be the one that, that you don't get that head-scratcher, and maybe Duke because they're, they've got all three Carolina schools. Um, but, for example, why is Syracuse and Boston College paired? Sorry, Syracuse and uh, Florida State. Um, if you a look reason. at I, no, I know the reason is because okay. Syracuse wanted to be in Florida, but like, but that's my point. This ever since expansion, the original one, right? Not well, not the original one. the 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 one that started all the you know the current, um, I don't know the current look of the of the league, right? Like ever since then, nothing has been the same, right? So you can make that argument about like Ferber's just doing time away. He's like, oh well, fans would get tired of that game. That's not there, and they're not really a rival because they haven't played. Well, that's just the nature of the league because of the schedule and, and the number of teams, right? So, for example, Georgia Tech gets Clemson, Louisville, and Wake Forest. Now, you can make some sort of regional argument and stuff. Okay, fine, right? Miami gets Boston College, Florida State, and Louisville. Now, why does Miami get Louisville? I don't know, right? To, to them, I, I, maybe they like that. I'm not sure. Every school seems, you know, maybe there are a handful of them that are outside this group but there most of the schools in the league have at least one team that doesn't make a lot of sense and part of the reason some of that doesn't make sense is because the schedule for the last like whatever many years has just not made sense it has it has devalued rivalries in a traditional sense you can't have tradition when you change stuff as much as the ACC has changed stuff in the last 15 20 years right yeah. now you can you can make an argument as to like for example Syracuse wants to be in Florida 
Um, they want to have a footprint down there, so they want to be partners with Florida State, primary opponents, whatever. Cool. But, like, if that's something that's driving the bus, then clearly rivalries and tradition and sort of, like, the 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 natural sort of fits are just not going to make a lot of sense. So I understand where people are coming from. I, I am one who hopes that they don't change this very often. Now that they've got a model that makes sense, we know the divisions are going away. Unless Notre Dame joins the conference, leave everything alone for a long time. Just let it be what it is. Because part of the problem that we have right now is that a lot of these rivalries that were more traditional – Right, I ran a column this week that had a picture from 1995, and there's a Wake Forest team on the field. You know, how many times is, have they played in Charlottesville since uh, expansion? Right, like a lot of your natural sort of traditional rivalries have been broken up. Well, now you just everybody needs to calm down and let something build. It's like, you know, we talk about like sort of like the pregame, right, and the idea that like, well, they've changed it so many times. It's hard to have tradition if you don't let tradition last. And so I kind of feel like personally. This is their this is their way forward. Cool. Stick with it for a while. Keep moving the pieces around for, you know, your four-year um your your four-year batch of schedules or whatever. But like your primary opponents and stuff, let those stick. Get back into sort of a more what feels more like a round robin kind of thing where you see schools in your conference so they don't feel like schools in the other division don't feel like they're in their own conference and you're not with them. Um I feel like the more that they will let things sit, the better it'll be for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, just getting back to the Louisville thing, because that seems to be the the hot button topic. Be the problem with Louisville, as we talked about when we discussed this before, was they don't really have a natural rival. And if you look at the three they got paired with, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Virginia, like they don't have a history with any of those three schools. So that's just proof that they're just a hard team to match up with. Well, they do have. Well, um, I, I would argue they do have history with Virginia now. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's we might, the, and we're probably that's the, the cleanest rival of those. Exactly. Three. That's what and that's what's say. that's part of the thing that undercuts the the argument a lot of I saw a lot of Virginia fans have today. You know, the idea that like, well, why is Louisville with us? Y'all keeps trying to make you know stick them with us. The reality is they're with us because they've been with us at this. They've point. They've been with us, yeah. You know, like yeah, they were the part, hardest team thing. for me to try to figure out when I was doing it. Um, and that's why I for them, like the three that I had, I'm looking at it now was Florida State, Georgia Tech, Syracuse. Because and Florida State Georgia Tech was more like well they're sort of like Louisville's sort of like on an island because like even Pitt and Syracuse and BC you could kind of like circle around those and be like these three are like the Northeast schools put right. them together Louisville's not really with them but they're not far enough east to be with like everybody else yeah. so Georgia Tech's kind of in that same boat too just they've been in the ACC longer you know mm-hmm. well and both of those teams have a problem in the sense that their main rivals are not in the ACC right yeah. And what you're trying to balance here is you have a handful of teams whose rivals are in the league, and then you have a handful of teams whose rivals aren't. And you kind of have to, you know, do the best you can with the muck that that creates. One thing I I realized as I was looking through the thing is like you've got seven, right? So you got your three and your four, right? And that's all well and good, right? Um, but if you think about like, or excuse me, you got your eight. Like every, it just feels like at some point you're going to have somebody who's going to feel left out, no matter how you try to stack the thing. You know what I mean? It just feels like on some level you had to choose somebody, right? And so, yeah, Louisville is a perfect example. They don't have sort of these traditional rivalries outside of UVA because they've played them a bunch. But other than that, I mean, what were you supposed to do? The, the I, I think in mine I had Florida State. Uh, for them, I had Florida State, Georgia Tech, and NC State. Um 
if you didn't lean on some of the division rivalries that you had, you're really going to be in a, in a world of hurt. So, I mean, they didn't, they, they, some of these schools, man, they just didn't have a lot of options unless you were just going to pair yeah. them with strictly just Big East schools, which is kind of what they did a lot of times, it seems. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to do this thing perfect. Um, and so you, you can pick nits, just it's good content, right? But you know, overall, this is a better product. We're going to the Carrier Dome for, oh, sorry, whatever it's called now. Um, we're going to Syracuse. Yeah, what is it this called now? The, Remind me, what is it called? I, I don't even know. I mean, eventually it'll be the Anai Dome where we're just have to wait <laughs> yeah. until the, until he gets that. Yeah, yeah. The, I'll look it Tucker up while dome. you while you're talking. Um. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> the dome in Syracuse we haven't been to since uh prior to Syracuse joining. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, what ten years? Michael Johnson scored a touchdown last. Dude, that time was like bit. that was like eighteen years ago. Dude. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so, so now they're gonna well, go up to the Tom JMA Wireless Dome. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I'm still gonna Nobody's going to call it that. Yeah, we're all going to call it that. Is, that's a terrible sponsorship on that company's part because nobody's going to use it. They're just going to call it the Carrier Dome. Yeah. Carrier, carrier Dome. That was, carrier just was smart. You know, they yeah, got that was smart. Like, They're like, we're not going to pay for this anymore. Like, they should have we'll paid free for it. exposure. Check this yeah. out. What they should have done is, is JMA Wireless should have like made a sign right that has their logo on it, but they call it the Thunderdome or something not <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because like, you're not going to continue to call it Carrier. Right, because that's a specific company name, not just like a name. Right, so you're gonna give me some other name, Thunderdome. Like, how cool would it be if you played in the Thunderdome and you could play like Welcome to the Thunderdome? And, oh my gosh, that'd yeah. be awesome. Anyway, sorry. Until your until your team passes fifty times a game, hard to yeah. <laughs> um, with an all ACC running back. Yeah, there was a wonderful tweet this week. Some uh, I think PFF College tweeted Tucker's uh, stats, and if you go read the replies, they'll just you'll just die laughing. Um, well, also like one quick thing on that. Um, I, I don't really, I guess there's no reason to like throw a stray, but David Hale was like, UVA's offense was super explosive. Can I bring that to Syracuse? And I was like, have you looked at the offense before that year where they were like 118th and explosion and stuff like that? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like that was one of their biggest problems for, for a while. And then last year they fixed it to their credit, but like, it's not like they have this like long track record of explosiveness. Anyway, yeah. back to schedule. Anyway, you know, bad schedule. So but where I started was, you know, we, we haven't been to Syracuse in forever. Um, and, you know, even if they were, well, we wanted them to be one of our permanent rivals um, and they're not, but we'll be back there in the next four years after this year. Um, and that's kind of the point of this. So it's, it's better than what we had before. Um, I think it's going to create, you know, if it gets a little mundane playing the same teams over and over. So, I'm excited for it and, you know, not to, not that anything's in the works, but it does this scheduling model and this might blow Ferber's head because we haven't discussed this, but um, I think you could add a single team to the ACC in this kind of format mm-hmm. or in the past, you always had to add two. Um, so expansion becomes a little easier should the opportunity present itself. Um, yeah. You can't have uneven divisions, but you can have yeah. a 15 team league. Yep. Yeah, it can be done. Um, yeah. Justin will have the answer before the podcast is over. I mean, like, I, I don't know exactly how that would work. You might have to switch it from three rivals to two or three rivals yeah. to four or something and play teams and you might less have to often go, like, or Six something. years rotating. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, um, but, yeah, it, but can it be wouldn't done. be that big of a deal. You could do it. Um, yeah. well, well, divisions couldn't. Um, but, you know, it's just exciting. And I think, yeah, you know, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. There are some years I think I was looking at. Obviously, I'm going to look at UVA. I'm going to look at Tech. I'm going to look at UNC. Um, 
it seems like 2024, if I remember correctly, is a yeah. really good year for Virginia schedule. Well, let's wise. do this. Let's let's walk through yeah. UVA's schedules for the first for the next few years, and then let's let's have that conversation about sort of our, our what our picks were several weeks ago to versus what reality was. So in uh, 2023, Virginia obviously will play um, three games against uh, Virginia Tech, Carolina, and Louisville. Their home and away situation is like this: they'll play Duke, Georgia Tech, NC State, and, and Tech at home. They'll go to Boston College, Louisville, Miami, and Carolina. In 2024, Virginia will get Florida State, Louisville, Carolina, and Wake Forest at home. They'll go to Clemson, Duke, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. 25, you get Boston College, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia Tech at home, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Carolina, and NC State on the road. And then in 2026, you close that out with Clemson, Louisville, Carolina, and Pitt coming to Charlottesville. You go to Florida State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. So, yeah, I you're right. I mean, it's it's funny how like now that you get a chance to like look at it, look at it, you're like, oh wow, this you know, things suddenly change. And I, I mean, I don't want to like completely discount the non-conference schedule and all that fun stuff. Like, it's gonna it's gonna be a thing, especially because of the you know the Notre Dame of it all, right? Like, they're gonna pop up. Um, you're gonna have some really um, some years where it's gonna be feast or famine. Um, and then some years where it's going to be very much not that way. Um, yeah, we, but, we talked but that's about also that some fun too, you know? It is. Like the 2024 schedule. Um, wow, I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah, so in 2024, Virginia's road schedule will be at Clemson, at Virginia Tech, at Pitt, at Duke, at Coastal Carolina, and at Notre Dame. Um, that's a pretty substantial road schedule. So I'm wondering if you're going to see some teams kind of make some changes to their you know, Virginia's got a lot of open dates, so they could move that Coastal Carolina game to 2023, for instance, when their home when their road schedule is not quite as uh, as tough. But yeah, what was the one you sent me, Ferber? It was like Florida State, I think. Please, uh, I think it's the same year. Oh yeah, because like Alabama's in there. <laughs> they had yeah, one year Alabama, where they played. They played at Dame, Alabama, and and Notre Dame, Florida, obviously, <laughs> and then like at Miami, at Clemson, or something crazy. And yeah. I was like, well, "How does that even happen?" Um, yeah, I mean, at least like people are like, "That's dumb scheduling," and it's like, "Well, not really," because the only game they had control over there was Alabama, because um, they have to play Florida. I mean, you're not going to cancel that game, and then they the Notre Dame game's out of their control. Maybe doing them all in the same year is dumb, but. You know, it's yeah. not like Georgia Tech this year who decided for some reason to play Ole Miss and UCF in addition to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, for, Vandy fans listen to our podcast are like, "Will y'all stop whining? Have y'all yeah. seen what we play?" Yeah, that's fair. Um, also, if you are if you are a Vandy fan um, and you listen to the podcast, thank you very much for your uh, for your time, uh, Ferber. Let's 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 go back to the um, to the results, so to speak. Give us the give us the breakdown. How we did? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Across the board, we all got one team right. Any guesses? Like we all got the the, the, the picks right. We picked the same teams. It was the one. It was the one that I said on the last podcast was the easiest one to to, to pick. We don't listen to what you're saying. Well, yeah, of course, I don't expect you to remember that either. Oh, it's got to be Duke, right? North Carolina. Oh yeah, they're the easiest. Oh yeah, they are easy. Yeah, NC State, UVA, and Duke. So that was pretty straightforward. Yeah, um, and then Duke, who did Duke get? Duke got all the three North Carolina schools, but I thought that they would kind of like not do that for anyone because they weren't – like if they gave UNC UVA, for example, I didn't think that they would give 
the other ones each other. You know, they would give everybody some other team, but they gave Duke all the Carolina schools, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. Where should I go next? So two of us, me and Dave, got Boston Colleges right. Syracuse, Pitt, Miami. Um, I didn't get theirs right. I actually, no, you didn't. You didn't. I had Tech in yeah, there. Yeah, I just looked at it wrong. Um, and then Clemson, I got right. Um, NC State, Florida State, Georgia Tech. Uh, and then me and Brad both got pit right. So Syracuse, BCVT. Um, I find it really interesting that. And that's you know, it. We got all of it, all the rest of it wrong. I mean, a lot of the other ones, we got like two out of three yeah, or whatever, yeah. but, you know, we didn't get any of the other ones completely right. I find it really interesting. I got mine right. They got it wrong. That tech. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I find it interesting that tech got, you know, because when we, when we picked it, I had, I had tech with UVA, Miami, and Pitt, and I just thought that was like the easier like that was probably the easiest one for me. That's what I Carolina, had too. You know, and Dave had um, UVA, Miami, BC. I find it really interesting that the that the league thought Pittsburgh should be the of the two of between that them and Miami that Pittsburgh should be the one that they get. Like that. Well, I think that really shocked me a little bit. I think the reason is because none of us had Miami matched up with Louisville, so we were, we didn't see that coming. So we were like, Miami's got another team to play, and they 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 went with Louisville there instead of Virginia Tech. Um. Louisville and Miami do have history. It's just like from a long time ago when they were in like the Metro or whatever, um, like the Howard Schnellenberger Bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that one was weird. But yeah, Virginia Tech, I, I was going to say this before the pod, but like it's weird because on the the first thing I thought when I saw it was like, man, they got hooked up um, because they didn't get anybody that's like really, really scary to me anyway. Um and but then you think about it and it's like well we're looking at uva through the prism of like who do you want to play every year for like the entertainment value and for entertainment value they kind of got screwed so virginia tech i mean so like it kind of it's two sides of a coin i guess but they don't have a very good record against those two other schools well and and, i mean in fairness the two teams besides uva were in the acc title game last year yeah um but so it's not like there's like no chance that they'll be good but i just feel like over the long haul I'd probably rather be playing Pitt and Wake Forest over 10 years instead of Miami and NC State or something like that. Just historically yeah, I mean, speaking. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be like a, I don't know if conspiracy theorist is the right word, you know, if if you think about TV markets and, um, you know, they've got Miami going into Boston, which is a big TV market. Florida State's going to be a national audience. And then Louisville, eh, that's not much. So, um I really don't. I mean, what are the biggest TV markets in the ACC? We got New York, I guess, technically, if they really want. Atlanta. Yeah. You know, Pittsburgh's a decent one. Um, Yeah, Atlanta for sure. ACC has some big media markets. Um, And then when you include North Carolina, Charlotte, um, and then if you really want to get crazy, like the D.C. area, um, you still have a lot of, like, ACC alums, even though there's no team. So, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of markets. It's just, yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Um, I See, that's what interests me. I would like to know. I would like to hear the commissioner say, like, this is how we decided. Like, you know what I mean? Um, did they say, the, the like, we have to preserve. Really, really interesting. Yeah, it's like, did we have to preserve certain things and then figure it out from there? Because that's probably what I would have done. Is like, we're going to protect all the rivalries, like Miami, Florida State, for example. Um, and then we'll then we'll figure out the rest. Yeah. I know that they said that's what they did. I mean, we don't know if he was on the huddle tonight. So, 
Well, then, like, the schools, you know, they I know that they had some sway, like, they could request things, which is how they, they usually make a schedule, too. Like, they can say, like, we don't want short weeks, things like that. Right. Um, and, and so that's a factor, but I don't know. It's interesting to think, like, okay, like, UVA and Louisville, is that because somebody requested it? Probably not. Yeah. But but like how did it happen you know or or was it just like they got to the end of the thing and were like well we've got like three teams left we need to find pairings for and these are the you know the leftovers yeah i feel like the easiest thing to do would be you start with your non-negotiables right exactly and you and and you probably you probably work through and give everybody the benefit of the doubt and then if you 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 need to you know you 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 delete a couple so like virginia tech and miami felt like to me you know, when we did the previous exercise, it felt like a non-negotiable to me. Um, but I can understand when you look at the bigger picture that, you know, everybody probably had one team that they had to play. You had a handful of teams that had two, right? So Virginia, Carolina both had two, right? And then you had Louisville. <laughs> well, well, UNC had three, and that's why they were the easiest ones. Right. And so Virginia, I think Virginia, Duke, North, North Carolina State, those are all like rivalries that you have to keep. Yeah. And then so I think what they did, honestly, was – if you're Virginia, the top, the two you wanted more than anything were Carolina and Tech, right? Well, then you know what? Maybe you did get stuck with a with a kind of a random third, right? Because if you think about it, almost in like a draft scenario, right? Like you had your good picks. Now you just get stuck with whatever you get at the end of the of the third round, right? Versus other teams that had, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't think that that's necessarily how it worked, but I think is in in terms of the sausage making, I can totally see a scenario where they started with the non-negotiables and, and maybe, you know, nixed a couple of them, you know, because they were, you know, two, three, too many. Yeah. Um, I don't think they really left too much out there where it's like, this game isn't happening. Like what the hell? And that's, that worked fine. I mean, as far as I know, I'm just at a quick glance, um, like tech Miami, I guess you could say that. I mean, I mean, and that's, I mean, then even if that's the one you're picking out, you know, like if that's well, the, the one, the have, obvious one is Carolina wake, but like, that's not really a big deal to me. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If I don't it think it's necessarily as big a deal to them. You know, I get why Duke has three Carolina schools. You know, I get why um, Carolina has the three schools it has. I just, I don't know if that Wake Forest, you know. Well, one of the, the think, weirdest one to me, and I don't really think it matters, but to the teams that much, but did, I didn't know this until we did the podcast last time we talked about this, but Georgia Tech and Duke have played, yeah, have played every year since like 1940. Oh, so wow. like I did not know that. Yeah, so they're almost they're not caught up to where like UVA and Carolina are, but they're they've played like 80 something years in a row or something now. Um, and so people were like, they- that one might get protected, and that's why I had it in there. Uh, yeah. I had Duke playing Georgia Tech, and they didn't do it. What's the um, Georgia Tech UVA streak? It's got to be it's got to be pretty long too, because basically if you had anybody yeah. who was traditional, you know. Old you mean UVA member. and Duke? No, no, no UVA and Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Because but they was, didn't Georgia Tech just join the league in like ninety? No, no, they were before, right? Well, Georgia Tech and UVA also didn't play two years ago, so there's that. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay, yeah, totally yeah. that's that's what it was. Okay, but, yeah. and the reason the I was things, thinking because there's a whole you know if you had if you had a school in the coastal right who had a long rivalry with a traditional ACC school. And then was with the in the coastal. Well, then I get you. They did pack on a number of. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can see why that streak was where it was until 2023. But yeah, yeah if you looked at UVA versus like uh, Duke or something, I bet that streak's probably pretty long. Like I would have to imagine it goes back pretty far. Um, 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, I made two notes when, you know, outside of Virginia stuff that I thought were kind of surprising. The first was Virginia Tech not getting Miami, which you guys have already mentioned. Um, Because, I mean, I do think that game's got a little history dating back to the Big East. Um, I know that Tech fans uh, care about it. I mean, so, I mean, I was fine with them not getting it just because how mad it made them. But, (laughs) um, but honestly, Wake Forest not getting Carolina surprised me, especially after they went out of their way to schedule out of conference games against them. Um, but maybe that's the ACC saying we didn't appreciate you doing that. But it could also be like the, this is one of those things where like the problem with Carolina and Wake wasn't that they didn't play every year. It's that they never played. Yeah, and now you fix be that because they play every other year. So like you don't have to you're not going to that's not going to be as big of a problem where it's like, oh, we go eight years without playing each other. But Carolina plays uh, who's in the who's in the coastal pit every year. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Um, Georgia Tech joined the ACC in 1979, by the way. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, I thought they joined like right before Florida State did for some reason. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, like I'm looking through it and it, I don't see a lot that are like really weird. I mean, Florida State and Syracuse, like if I was a Florida State fan, I'd be like, why are we going to Syracuse every year? Um, maybe they look at that as a positive, one. but yeah, I mean, but like they, they already play every year. So it's like they probably – that's one of those games that you're probably like – you know, we talked about the coastal. It's like, I'm not nothing. There's nothing wrong with pit or playing pit, but like, I'm kind of done with that. Like as an annual thing. Um, and the same with some of the other teams in the coastal. So it's like, I, I feel like that's one of those where it's like, why are we doing this still? Like, didn't we, we've already been playing them for so long. <laughs> like, why would we want to keep doing this? But yeah, I think that's one BC Miami kind of makes sense. It's like an old big East game. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of them, I think, are mostly fine. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because, honestly, if, if if you told me I could not play Pitt every year but I still had to play Louisville, I probably would take that trade. Um, I don't like Louisville at all, but at least it's a college stadium. I hate NFL stadiums. I think that's my yeah. biggest issue with it. Um, Miami, they've, they, in fairness to Miami, they've sort of fixed it, I think, to some extent where it's like, I don't know, for some reason – Maybe maybe you guys disagree. For some reason, I feel like Pitt is more glaring as an NFL stadium than than Miami. Maybe it's because they did like the renovations. I like the turf is always bad. It always feels more like Miami is home stadium now, even though it's been you know it hasn't been that long since they've been playing there. But it feels a little bit more natural to me, I guess, for whatever reason. Um, no but one yeah. watches the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it's just like maybe they they also had like one or two good years under Rick where like people were going and it was packed and like it felt like something was happening there. Um, maybe that's I'm just like biasing myself towards that. But yeah, I don't know. Um, my big thing and this is my takeaway that hasn't really been discussed. I don't think, but like I think overall being in the coastal it does more damage than good for UVA football. Um, I understand that it's not the hardest division in football, but like, I think that they're better off in this scenario than in the coastal Um, for a a couple different reasons. Mostly it's just perception. I think Um, I'd rather be in the ACC as a whole than just in the coastal. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. I don't don't think that's like, a. well, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I love the coastal because it's weird. Or I love the coastal because it's easy. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't know. I will, like, I don't know yeah, if that really holds five, up. It's the worst and I don't, division to win, right? And no. I don't know if that really helps you. I think it might actually hurt them in recruiting a little bit 
like to be in the coastal because it just makes it feel like you're like more off the radar. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't play Clemson, so you're not getting those, that exposure. Yeah. Um, that's fair. I feel like we should pour one out for the coastal because one, like we've talked about before. And I know I said on a previous podcast when we discussed this, I'm going to miss having something else to play for. And I get everything you guys are saying is spot on. I'm not going to disagree with any of it. And I don't care. <laughs> like it was kind of fun to have something else to play for. And for, you know, the, the ideal, right? If you're, if you, let's say you're a school like UVA in the coastal, right? The idea is that you, you get to a place where you can compete for the coastal every year. And then you get to a place where competing to actually win the championship game. Once you get there is realistic, right? And, the coastal in and of itself doesn't necessarily prepare you for that. But what it does is it gives you a goal on a list of, and like, I'm a big, like, I think I'm a big proponent of having goals that are sort of, um, you, you can't just say, Oh, we want to win a national championship. No, you are not right. Like, and realistically, like you could even say like, Hey, we're going to win the ACC championship. Even that's kind of a stretch, right? You can say like, "Hey, we want to we want to win the coastal, and we want to go to the ACC championship game." And if you do that a couple times, and you say, "Okay, we're going to go to the ACC championship game, and we're going to win it," right? Like it's a nice, steady sort of easing off the ground, so to speak, right? Um, so I am going to miss the coastal. I'm going to miss the intrigue of it. Um, yeah, hell, I I'm going to miss the chance to finish ahead of Tech and something. Not going to lie, um, but I also understand everything you guys just said. Like all of those points are valid. All those points are well taken. Um, it was the worst division <laughs> in in college football. Um, I, I think Ferber's point about you know maybe it hurting them in recruiting is probably accurate, right? Um, the reality just, though is maybe that, it's like, more like it doesn't help. I don't know, like I don't because I don't think recruits look at it and say like, oh, it's an easy division. Like I'll go there. You yeah, know, I like, think it's more about you're right. Here's here's my hot take, and I don't know if this is necessarily a hot take as much as it is sort of random. This entire adage. This idea that like Syracuse is going to play Florida State every year and therefore is going to have more of an impression in Florida is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that matters. It is at all. bunk. <laughs> all right. All, this this whole anybody who thinks you have to play a game somewhere in order to like have some sort of like foothold is ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought this up because they, this has come up a lot today. And I was it like, really well, has. And I'm like, can we please stop? Who started this. There, the, 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 there's yeah. a, there's yeah. an entire network, for example, right. Right. All of the like this is not 1987. Right. Like, I'm sorry, Syracuse. And it's not like, oh, like UVA played Georgia Tech today. So now they're in the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So some kids going to find out. You know, those those 17 year olds are really (laughs) hot on that AG on the AJC press. You know what? No, half these kids don't pay attention to college football also, even when they're the ones on, getting like, recruited. Yes, you can just go to like the ESPN app now. You don't have to like go to like your local news to Which, get I mean, like, the look, information. <laughs> RIP to, to local news because it's a travesty that it's breaking down the way it has. But like realistically, like I, I would love to hear an argument that so, for some reason, like coverage of games in other locations helps a team in recruiting. Now, knowing who that team is, sure, right? But you don't need to play, like, in Florida. I can give you, you know what I'm saying? I can give you, like, one example that comes to mind of, like, one that would matter. And and it's not – doesn't have anything to do with UVA. And that would be Notre Dame playing in California because you have a lot of players from California there. You get to go back and play a couple games at home. Like, I get that. But, like, UVA playing at Georgia Tech doesn't help them get players from Atlanta, I don't think. 
it, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's not the reason that they're going. They're not like, man, it was down to UVA and uh, Pitt, or I guess it's a bad example. It was down to UVA and Boston College, but UVA comes to Atlanta once every four year, twi- every other year. So, like, that's why I'm going to pick. Like, I've never heard a recruit say that. <laughs> so, like, I don't really know where that comes from, especially within a conference where you're already recruiting in that region anyway. All right, I'm going to make a counterpoint here, and I'm going to tell you this. If Notre Dame... To your own hot take? No, 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 to Fer- what Ferber just said about Notre Dame in California. Listen to me. If Notre Dame has to play a game in California for Notre Dame to recruit in California, then Notre Dame, Notre Dame needs to hang it up and... Oh, yeah, no, nah, I don't think, you know what I mean? I don't think that's like, the reason that they're getting the players. I just think it might be a little bit of a benefit for them to like get some games out there because it's maybe, so far maybe, away. Maybe. I, I think now when you have kids being able to go on official visits earlier... Right. The idea that kids can now come see your campus earlier in the process. Right. So you no longer have to rely on, hey, um, uh, I'm not sure about this and I have to wait so long. Right. And therefore you're fighting for that attention in a different way. Not to mention that a lot of these coaches travel now in ways that coaches in previous like hell, if you I bet you looked at the travel budgets now versus where they were, let's say, 10 years ago. Right. You got coaches who make cross country trips constantly, right? You got coaches who are commonly on planes, full staffs, right? Like this is a, a regular, normal thing, right? That has not always been the case, right? And the reason that in state that's a private plane is that the one that they always are putting in <laughs> yeah. all the kids' uh, visits or whatever. Yeah, we're gonna circle um, back to that. So we're gonna, all the all the rented all the rented Lambos and stuff I've seen lately are just it's absurd. Um, well, one of my favorite is, uh, and, and if you've been to Morgantown, like obviously it's in the mountains, but like they take their kids like up to the mountains to do photos. And I don't think that's like right around the corner from campus. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. It's like they take these pictures and they don't have, uh, they don't have location data cause nobody has cell service up there. Um, and I say that as somebody who drove through West Virginia on my way. And I mean, it would be terrible. like if UVA was like, we're going to take kids up to skyline drive. Like or something yeah, like that. that yeah, <laughs> and that, which they have done for video shoots and stuff. But yeah, but uh, yeah, that's different. Business, <laughs> or they you know? drove them to a ranch in Crozet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Well, that's the yeah, that's that's similar. that's the Bronco paradigm, which we're gonna have to yeah. get to. That's why one. I don't mind that stuff because I'm like, it's the same as going to Broncos Ranch. It's probably just more fun. <laughs> like, I think this is this is where I'm going with this, which is this: the divisions and losing divisions is is sad, but it's fine, right? We'll all you know, we'll all adjust in a couple years and. You know, a lot of us will will like will like follow the shadow coastal, right? We'll like try to put together like who would have been this coastal champion. You know, we'll try to do that that nonsense because that's just we're just humans and we're ridiculous. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter where you play your games and the recruit. Like you know, you know what helps in recruiting? Winning, winning, and having nil right now. That's that's literally all that matters. You know, nil and winning. It, it certainly helps to have a good coaching staff. Certainly helps to have a coaching staff that knows how to recruit. Certainly doesn't hurt to have a stadium with people in it. Certainly doesn't hurt to have like jerseys that people don't think are ugly. But you know what matters? Winning and NIL. Those are the two things. That's it. That's the list. Winning. And so it doesn't matter who you play. If you beat them, you will continue to recruit pretty well. You keep beating them over and over and you will recruit. Hashtag analysis, right? <laughs> like this, this whole, like, I can't believe Syracuse actually used a chip like like actually used up like social capital with the ACC to get themselves into Florida State's primary opponents. That is just wild to me. Of all the things that you're going to spend your your social also, capital on. Also, I mean, on, have you guys ever been to Tallahassee? 
I have not. I have not, actually. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that was a very loud dog. I'm yeah, leaving okay, that as a show. We're, we're leaving nah, that as a show. Tallahassee is not near a lot of other places in Florida. <laughs> it's not like Clearly. it's right around the corner from Miami <laughs> or whatever or anything else. I wonder if they can hear your dog in Tallahassee right now. <laughs> <laughs> the fact the fact that that's the first dog bark on the podcast is astonishing because my my youngest you guys dog don't is... even know, man. Like, <laughs> we just moved, and so she doesn't understand like noises and things here, and it just oh man all yeah, day long. Rough. And it's whenever I'm on a call, like that's, Always. that's when it happens. Yeah, that's when it, that's where that's where it works. Um, I, I feel like on some level, if as I'm looking around the league. One of the things I'm actually really excited about with this change is that, you know, I was talking a minute ago about like it was fun for the coastal and stuff, but now it's going to feel like every game matters in a way that, um, I mean, realistically, we, I think we all understand that like there are going to be seasons where most of the league is just not going to be realistically a viable option to go to the championship game, right? Same um, as any other year. But that's just, exactly the same as any other year. But I, I do think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to change a little bit of the um of the calculus of just sort of your week to week right now that everybody's in the pool right now that you're you're in the mix with everybody you know every game is just going to have it's going to feel a little different even though you know obviously you're uh, you know you're you still wanted to beat everybody in the ACC but how, who but your your games against the coastal opponents mattered more you know yeah. um that because they were they were like double right. Not only were you getting one in your in your column, but you were giving them an L in theirs, right? Now I just like you spread that out through the whole league. That's going to be fun. Like that is actually one of the low key things about this whole you know change to the to the model and everything that like I don't think we folks have talked a lot about, which is like the ACC and the regular season are going to matter in a very different way, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. Yeah, and it's not just yeah, you know, also viewership, right? Like. I mean, I know it might be small, a small move of the needle, but I can tell you, even as a huge football fan, if Wake and BC were playing on one channel and there was a bigger national game, I'm probably spending most of my time on a national game and flipping back, right? But now... I'm not flipping back, I, probably. I might stay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, between commercials, but yeah, now, like, that game might actually matter to Virginia, right? It, that could be the game that keeps them out, you know, moves them down. So I do think it, it'll... It'll make every game mean more. Like you just said, like, yeah, I think they need to, I think they need to do something different here. You know, you're talking about like televised things. Here's my idea. Well, my big idea is promotion and relegation, but that we don't have time for that. Um, (laughs) So, but I mean, but that's, that's how you make interesting things happening in the middle and the bottom of the standings. Um, But my idea here, like if you want to do it, you're just doing a ranked like one through 14 now. Right make the bowl game choices related directly to that and not like, Oh, well, if you're eight and four, you're all in a big yeah, bucket. I, that's a really make it like, idea. be like, Nope, head to head record. If you're eight and four and another team's eight and four, you beat them. You're ahead of them in the standings. Yep. And, and that's, and maybe, and maybe yeah. you get to like, I know that this isn't how it works, but like maybe the school, instead of just getting placed somewhere, it gets more of a say yeah. where it's like, if you're UVA and it's like, well, we could go to San Diego or we could go to Annapolis. Like, let's go to San Diego or whatever. Right. Um, or whatever it is but yeah i mean maybe like that's how you do it to where it's like oh well like you know it's the last game of the season uva and tech are both seven and four whoever wins this game is going to go to a better bowl like one thing i was just thinking about um you guys you were talking about like not flipping over that game i can't tell you unless they're maybe if they were playing carolina 
but uh, and obviously when they were playing UVA, whatever. But I can't think of the last time I sat and watched an NC State game, right? Or maybe yeah. if they were playing Tech, right? But in the but like other than those three instances, right? I just I don't watch them, right? I, there's a very real chance now because you know on the one hand, like I like to watch. I, I'm a big fan of like watching games of a, of teams Virginia's getting ready to play, like in the next week, couple weeks or something. I try my best to sort of be aware of what's going on with them, um, but even generally, right? Like I'm I, I'm going to be more interested in the ACC as a product this year because instead of just being focused on the coastal. I am curious to see what they do, if there are any changes in terms of their um, their broadcast strategy, right? Because now you're going to have a lot of things. You're going to have you're going to have a different sort of inventory, right? Like obviously they're still playing the same number of um, like games each week and all that fun stuff, right? Um, but you're going to have a different inventory now, and I'm just curious to see what they do with it. You know, we have been big proponents that the ACC network leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and I really hope they'll figure out some way to change some of that because, man, it is it is not great um, most of the time when I watch it. And It would I'm be interesting to see if they could – I mean, like they've kind of set the opponents now. It would be interesting to see if they could maybe do something around the actual scheduling of the games, like figure something out yeah. um, to make it like a little bit more interesting – like I know that there are contracts involved, but like maybe you try to get more into the week one space. They tried that the first year they launched the ACC network. Um, and, you know, they, there's a lot of like, so that week is usually like neutral site games that people might care about, might not. And then a bunch of schools playing like FCS teams and Mac teams and stuff like yeah. that. So that's where you have a chance to be like, all right, well, Alabama, uh, whoever is later, um, Alabama, Notre Dame is tonight, but you know, at three 30, I can either watch like Penn state play Eastern Michigan, or I can watch like Virginia tech play Georgia tech. And that's just like, you know, Oh, I'll go with the conference game and, and maybe to like try to get more into that space. Right. I don't know. If I was, and honestly, it, this is going to sound kind of twisted, but if I was the ACC, I would be leveraging their various lobbying folks in the, in the States that do not have legal betting. I would be leveraging those states to try to bring it to those states because I don't think you're, I don't think it, it's, I don't think this is a surprise to people, but when, when more people can have more interest in more rooting interest in a game, they're going to watch it. And well, they, they have to do something. I know that they tried to change it actually like a few months ago, but in Virginia, obviously you can't bet on the you two can't bet on the in the state, teams, right? But yeah. I think there would be more interest in their games if people could bet on. Absolutely, them, would be no, no question, no question, no question. All right, let's let's go through this real quick. Your one major gripe, if you, I mean, I, I mean, in our conversation, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot that really stands out to us that, you know, seems quote unquote like unjust or whatever. Other than maybe Miami and Virginia Tech not being paired up. Other than that, I don't I don't see a lot of like. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of like, uh, you know, objections, right? Do you guys see anything out there um, of the decisions or, I mean, some of the schedules are, are kind of tough, but I mean, that's just sort of the nature of the beast. That's you kind see- of what I'm looking at to try to find something different rather yeah. than just the, the primaries is just like look through and there's like in I, 2025, I like they happy play, in 2025, they played BC, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia Tech at home. That's just like a straight up, Big East 
schedule. <laughs> you should. Yeah. I didn't you even know, realize they that. should. The ACC <laughs> should recognize if Virginia was was able to run the table in that. They should recognize them as like the Big, Big East, East champs. The they're My they're playing UConn is, for the Big East title. There's a lot of uh, if you look at the pod scheduling, there's a lot of crossover between Virginia and Virginia tech. It seems like they're playing the same teams each year, but they're reversed where they're playing. them. Um, so like, um, let's see. You, you think that's a bad thing? No, it's just funny. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're still tied to them. So, you know, Virginia tech plays Clemson at home the same year we play them away and then vice versa the following year. Um, I mean, Brad told me to gripe. I'm just trying to come up with something. Well, I have, I, I, have, I have one minor gripe. It's not a big deal, but um, they put Clemson at in, coming to Charlottesville in the last year of the rotation. So that'll be 13 years since their last trip to Charlottesville. I actually think that's nice because yeah. of our I mean, shift. I'm not like really freaked out about <laughs> I it. I don't think anything. it was, I don't think they did it on purpose, but I'm sure Tony Elliott appreciates he has four years to get ready for that. He's just going to be start prepping now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to really try to turn this around. I wasn't planning yeah. on it. Going to have to yeah. really, really try. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at like next year's schedule. I think next year's schedule is like not that bad. Um, and honestly, I think we talked about this off the podcast, but it's actually the exact schedule they would have had, except instead of going to Pitt, they go to BC. Um, so that's fine. You know, I really enjoy playing Florida State. Like, I think it's cool. Like, I think maybe that's like a nostalgia thing for me because like when I was kind of coming up, that's when they were just peaking. Um, and those were always like outside of rivalry games, like the biggest home games you could have. They were always like on ESPN. Um, and even like a couple years, three years ago when they came to Charlottesville, I mean, the place was pretty much sold out and there was like a lot of buzz around that. And Florida State wasn't even good. So, I mean, I think like playing them is cool. So they play them at home in 2024. Um, that's a nice thing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing them a little bit more often than like once every six years. Um, whereas like some of the teams in that division, I don't really care. That's one that I kind of do care about. Um, and I think it's cool playing NC state more. I'm not really like too caught up in that, but I mean, they are local. So it's another game people can go to pretty easily. So that's nice as well. Um, I think for me, as I look around it, I'm just excited for football. I mean, it's it's exciting to sort of know what the way is. I, we were joking about it earlier. You know, the ACC didn't give us much notice. I'm just really jacked that they just sort of dropped it on us and, you know, we can get – like, it, it, it certainly changed the, the complexity of, like um, – or the complexion or whatever of today, right? Um, so we were going to come to this podcast and sort of manufacture some, some stuff to talk about. And, um I mean, I'm genuinely jacked for a season that is still, you know, with the division, which means this is the last coastal division race. This is this is it. Mm -hmm. um, Make it count. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, um, how are we feeling about UVA going into its last coastal division title hunt? I think they have a shot. I mean, just because of their schedule, um, I, it's going to come down to how good the defense is and how healthy the quarterback is, probably. Um, and how quickly they can adjust to schemes. But I mean, if this, if, 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 if there's going to be a last year for the coastal, I mean, if you're UVA, like outside of having a new coach, like, I think this is a pretty good year to make it one last run at it. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of agree. I, I mean, the defense is my biggest question mark and we're going to talk a lot about all of these kinds of things as we go forward, but certainly looking around the rest of the coastal, there's a lot of question marks. And we kind of talked a little bit about this when we were talking about, 
um, things, you know, I remember I wrote that, um, that Monday motivation, um, sort of geared around like, wait, why is everybody like on this part, this team or that team, you know, just overlooking these warts, you know, in the coastal, um, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you like, Oh, UVA should be the favorite or whatever, but like, it's not, I feel like it's not going to make, it's not going to take a lot on the defensive side of the ball for, for them to be like reasonable. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not even asking them to like, you know, hold teams to seven points a game or some nonsense. Right. Like I'm just asking for folks to be able to, you know, make stops with some consistency, you know, don't give up, you know, huge plays time after time after time. I don't feel like they're that far away from being able to do that. Um, or at least I don't feel like that's a big ask, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I agree yeah, with I'm that. Not, I'm not going to give away too much from a season preview, which people look forward to every year. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the offensive line and how they gel and how they, uh, I'm excited about the potential for the team. So um, schedule definitely sets up to make a run. And then, you know, I think the next year's schedule, if we get, if we could somehow talk Brennan and everyone in the stand one more year and get two years in the system, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap up this week real quick with a, with a talk about recruiting. We we've, we've talked about over the, you know, um, the course of the last few months and everything, sort of the trajectory for, for Elliot and, and company. Um, they've done a lot of uh, putting the hay in the barn the last, you know, couple weeks. Right. And they've done, I, I think that they've done exactly what they had to do. Uh, I think that part is is pretty clear to me is, you know, June is usually such an important time for Virginia recruiting, um, you know, and so what, in the last 10 days, they've added, what, five guys to the class um, between Thomas, Laura, Kirby, Walker, and Vaughn. Um, and that's a really nice haul of talent. Um, I know that for some people, you know, if you look at the big picture, I know for some people like the stars and everything, but like if you look at the way some of these guys fit and sort of like the the, the circumstances of each kid, um, there's a lot to be excited about. I, I just uh, beyond that, though, the fact that they're sitting, you know, with, you know, nine commitments right now. I mean, that's a that's a that's a really I mean, think about it like three weeks ago. Right. Right. Before the Thomas kid committed, they had four. And it was about to be mid-June, you know, or I guess technically the day before it was mid-June. So do you see what I'm saying? Like, man, that thing changed in a hurry for the better. And I'm just curious to get some thoughts. Dave, let's start with you. What do you, what do you think of the, the group and the kids they've pulled in the last, you know, 10 days or so? They should only be four stars. That's all we should take, right? <laughs> no, I, I like everyone. Like, I mean, I'm a Virginia homer, so I'm going to. But um, obviously you got some in-state kids there. you got a legacy. And – You've got, you know, I know um, not to single out anyone in particular, but like Vaughn and Walker, um, not a whole lot of offers outside of Virginia on the, you know, the power five level, but actually none to be exact. But yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, if you watch those guys film, like you can see what the staff sees. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I won't steal Justin Sunder from his article, but, you know, it was a good week for Virginia. Um and, you know, who knows if it's done. Uh, I know there's some some guys making decisions this week. That don't maybe not, you know, there are a few that are probably not going to go Virginia's way and might go to Virginia Tech. Um, that's just the way it is. But I think given we've talked about it before, but, you know, given coming in late, starting late, you know, in the cycle with a kind of a very, you know, a very unexpected departure of a coach and some 
I don't want to use treasonous activities, but treasonous activities um, <laughs> in the locker room and a staff they're replacing who had not done a good job recruiting in the Commonwealth. I think they've done a, a pretty good job. And then you, we're not even talking about the NIL, which is certainly complicating things, especially for your higher end recruits. And I know people want to think it only applies to four and five stars and all this stuff, but um, look, it matters. And, I think the other piece of the puzzle, when you look at our roster, um, there's a lot of guys who have eligible, eligible, oh, excuse me. I can't say the word eligibility left. Um, so it's not like you're coming into spots that have, you know, clear openings, unless you're a quarterback per se, you know, the uh, maybe wide receiver, but you know, everyone from the wide receiver group could essentially be back next year too. So that all, all that stuff weighs in. And plus you've never seen what, what the Elliott's team is going to look like. So all that said, uh, I like the fact they've got some Virginia kids. I like the film on the, and the guys that weren't offered by others. Um, I think Kirby definitely would have gotten some other power five offers if his name wasn't Kirby or he wasn't Terry Kirby's son, because his, you know, he is, he's an athlete. He's a D one athlete, power five athlete for sure. So yeah, it was a good, a good week to kind of, now, if you asked me this question, if they hadn't gotten those four, I think we'd have been a little more concerned because I was. <laughs> well, and that's fair. Yeah. I think that's a very fair, you know, place to be, which is like 10 days ago, right? They were sitting at four dudes and you're like, this is not, this is probably not great. I mean, last Friday I wrote in the thing, the recruiting piece. I was like, is it time to panic? They have five commits. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you, and you, and you did a really nice job of sort of setting the table for like what could happen, which is like, yeah, but if they, if they run off a few, it's going to feel like all of that, like, angst and this is nothing. how it always goes. I remember there was one time in the London era where they had like, you know, a regular number of commits of how, let's say 10. And in like 12 days, they got like 11 commits or something crazy like that because right. of camps and visits and all that stuff simultaneously happening schools over. There's more time to like, think about this stuff. There's more of an impetus to get done because like now you're fighting for spots, maybe at positions, um, this is when things usually crank up. The dead period is, I think, today was the beginning of it or yesterday or whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, like, I think they're in a pretty good spot. But and, and I agree with what Dave said about the actual players. Like, I understand people saying, like, why would they take all these guys that are, like, under the radar or whatever? Um, and I get that. Um, my concern comes when I do, when I see that and then I look at the film and I'm like, I don't get this. And there were some times under um, – even under Bronco, who I think is a pretty analytical, smart recruiter when it came to these players, there were a few guys where I was like, I don't know if I see it. Um, yeah. And it was because of they had a good camp performance or something. Um, and it's like, okay, whatever. And then a guy like Wicks comes up and it's like, well, I see it with him. He's fast. Um, and then like Noah Vaughn, I looked at his film um, and, you know, he has other offers. He has like Army, for example. I trust Army running back recruiting. Um and, you know, I, I went and looked at him and, and I was like, this dude it has like great one cut, good vision, and he can yeah. run away from people. Right. I was like, I, I, I was like, I don't have a problem with this at all. Like, I mean, if anything, I'm wondering why he doesn't have more offers. And that's a good thing when I come out of it with that thought. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. And then to Kai Kirby, I think is just he's not like the prototypical tight ends from a size perspective. Um, he's more of like an H back. So I, I think that might have limited his offers you know at some in some ways but when you look at like his stuff he's fast he can run he can catch and i think he's going to be able to be an asset for them in the backfield too almost like as a fullback um 
how other tight ends, smaller tight ends are used. So yeah, go, go watch his huddle. They show there's some blocking clips towards the end. And like, I was kind of, Oh, he's just a fast runner. Who's kind of raw. Cause he hasn't played a lot of football. Um, if, you know, he's a big guy who can run fast and he's kind of raw, but if you go watch him, it's just practice film. But if you watch him kind of crack back block. Yeah. Yeah. I got, he's an H back all the way. So mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, like some of those guys can be like super productive in in an offense, like what UVA is going to be doing. Like they run, they're going to run a lot of like pistol stuff and different stuff where you can motion guys into the backfield and then have like a, like a basically lead blocker for your running back or quarterback out of the pistol. So I don't have a problem with anybody that they've taken so far. Um, I would like to see them figure out quarterback, you know, get that done. Um, And then, you know, like right now I would say, if you look at where they are, I mean, they're targeting a lot of defensive backs um, and we'll, that'll shake itself out soon. Um, like Caleb Woodson's deciding this week. So that seems like it's a UVA tech battle. Um, and there's some others. So um, I think that'll shake itself out. One of the positions that I kind of want to see what they're going to do is offensive line because they have an offensive line commit. And literally, mm-hmm. like if you look at our recruiting board on the vo- on the board, um, that's like it everybody else that they were like going after is like committed elsewhere or is eliminated UVA at this point. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see like if more offers are coming there or if they're like, you know what, like we took so many guys in the last class that we might need to just like chill for a year yeah. and take like one or two. And that's one of those places where the, where the transfer portal really does change the dynamic because in a normal year you'd be like, um, guys, you got to at least get a couple of dudes. Right. Mm-hmm. But now you can look at and say, we can let these dudes soak a little bit and see what we've got and then make a decision and we can go get a guy in the portal if we need to. Right. Like, I think that is a, that's the place I think where a lot of folks have not really sort of grasped the, the intricacy of portal recruiting versus high school recruiting. Like it, the portal in some ways, and again, it's, it's not, you're not shopping. still. you still have to get the kids to say yes. Um, and you're really dependent on like sort of what's out there. Right. In some years, you're going to have more opportunity for certain positions than others, right? But realistically, in a situation like where UVA is right now, you know, we can we can look at it and say, okay, we're going to let these these guys on the offensive line soak, and we're going to keep some tabs on some up and coming guys if we need to look at them um, after the season. But there's not a real rush, right? Because of the numbers that you've got, you can sort of see wait and see how things develop. You know, if anybody washes out. If guys are, you know, how are they physically going into, you know, winter conditioning, you know, um, and then you can go out and find whether it's traditional or portal recruiting. Um, but I, I think that in the in the final analysis, you know, the way that the the way the class is currently setting up is kind of like a really I think it's a, personally at least I think it's a really good scenario for for Tony Elliott and company because. If you look at the positions that they've targeted and the guys that they pulled so far, you can really make an argument that they've addressed some needs already, right? Which allows them some flexibility with the rest of the class. Um, you know, they needed some they needed some running back help, and they've got in Hawthorne and Vaughn, I think, two guys who, you know, really do look that part, right? I think between Green and Laura, I mean, you, they've they had so many good defensive linemen um, out there. I still think I would like to see him add one more, maybe two. Um, but I, those are two really nice pieces, and they're both, you know, kind of local kids, if you think about it. I mean, I know technically Laura's from New Jersey and everything. but um, it, I, So I, I, I just look at the class, and you're like, okay, now 10 days later, you're like, you can see it kind of coming together. Like, oh, okay, so this is what it's going to look like. 
But until you see the team on the field, right? Until you really get a sense for like what the systems really are, um, yeah, I think that's the that's the piece that they know that that from the outside looking in is really hard right now. Because I think that some of the system stuff is not yet necessarily like coalesced. Um, I think that's why they've been kind of quiet on that front. And when you look at what the kids are saying coming out of visits and stuff, they're not talking specifically about a lot of like football stuff. They talk a lot about, you know, program stuff and they talk a lot about like the vibes with the coaches and the you're not hearing a lot about like i like how they use their running backs yeah i'm gonna they showed me you know like if you like contrast like what what houston's doing on the basketball side right these kids like they sit down with tony and he and he talks them through like oh you know we're gonna use you like that we use dre we're gonna use you like we did so and so and like they show them cut ups stuff like you're not getting a lot of that from the football kids right um and I'm not saying that, like, there's, like, a shell game going on. I'm just saying, like, they're really emphasizing the other stuff right now because they're still waiting, I think, to see how it all kind of comes together once they get to fall camp, um, which yeah. is kind of makes a lot of sense. I know it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's boring to hear after, you know, the Bronco era, but culture and personality and all that stuff is going to matter to Tony. Um as he builds this staff and he's told us all along, right? Like I want to get the right people first. Um, right. Right. So I know it's annoying because we just went through that with, with Bronco, but I think you're seeing a little bit of that, especially it seems like if you're not, you know, almost everyone they're offering has been to Virginia either on a visit or a camp. Like they're not just offering people because they're highly rated. Um, you know, there's some people, people are fretting to have offers, but they haven't seen them in camp yet. Um, I'm one of those people, but like, I get it. Um, and you know, if, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay. It's way too early to make a final judgment. Um, I just think the, you know, the, the atmosphere in recruiting has changed a lot. Like we, we can't compare this to when Al Gro came in or when Mike London came in and recruiting, you know, it didn't change that year, but it changed pretty drastically the second year, but it, um, it did bump a little the first year we might see that bump. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, next year, I think, you know, if we're having the same conversation next year where things, you know, where, where there's no big names being associated with Virginia, then you, and you can, you know, express your concern a little more, but you know, the monkey in the, you know, the elephant in the room that we will talk about, I'm sure on multiple podcasts is, is the NIL piece. And none of us really know how much that is affecting anything. Um, so you got to take what you got and, Honestly, there isn't a player. I think you kind of nailed it, bro. Like they're they're addressing some needs. They're they're players that you know, if you top to bottom, the class is pretty good. Um, I don't want us to. Yeah, I think just because people are wanting the class to be better, um, we can't overlook the fact that if there were two concerns Virginia fans had, were recruiting in the state, and they're doing a better job of that. Um, and recruiting legacies, he's already got one. Um, so that's a plus. And, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more um, relieved now than I was a week or two ago. And I'll admit it, like I've texted Justin, like this recruiting thing is not going too well, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, they definitely turned it, turned it around. But, you know, across the board, if you go look, and I, you know, I think it's a fun exercise. I think Virginia Rivals has Virginia rated 59th, I think now. Um, next to last in the ACC or I think Syracuse is definitely behind us. I think there might be one more behind us now after 
the last couple of commits, but, um, you know, schools like, you know, Duke has a bunch of commitments now. Duke has a really good class going, but none of them are four stars. You know, they're, they're three stars as well. And a couple of those guys, Virginia was after, you can't deny that, but look at what's ahead of them versus what's ahead of people on the Virginia roster. Um, we're not talent rich, but we have more talent than Duke does. So, um, all that stuff matters to kids and it's just a matter of, uh, Tony continue to be consistent with what he, with what he puts out there when he's recruiting kids and our coaches getting in, in front of these high school coaches on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll turn. Well, I, I want to put a pin in it there because I want us to come back. I, and I do want to talk about the, the, I, I texted the two of them today. I have this whole theory on the, the Bronco paradigm, um, which is what I think in the industry we call a tease. Um, but we sounds were, like a Tom Clancy novel. It or does, doesn't it? Like <laughs> it just, you know, next to the born identity. Sounds like a um, Monday column to me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm not writing all that out. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to blab about it. I guess it's much easier. Um, and if it doesn't make sense, it goes, it goes by really fast versus me having to read it over and over again. Um, but no, I think that's a good place to put a pen in it. Um, uh, if you're somebody hey, out there, welcome, by the way, in case what? you forget, welcome Griff. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Folks who haven't seen, um, I'll get into it just in, in just a few minutes with uh, with our, our links um, that we share. But uh, Kenton Griffin, who is a um, uh, obviously a, a big UVA fan, member of the board, folks folks know him. Um, he's come on, on on board for the site as a contributor, and we are very very glad to have him. Um, somebody with you know a lot of in state football connections and um, and the stuff he sent me already. Um, he's just lining them all up. So. I'm really happy to have him on board and appreciate uh, his willingness to to do it and certainly his excitement. Um, when I talked to him, I mean, he was just so stoked. So that was a lot of fun. So uh, welcome to the to the team and uh, make sure you check out his work um, as often as you can. All right, let's wrap this thing up. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Um, hit the, you know, some apps call it follow, some apps call it subscribe. Um, whatever you got to do so the show just shows up um do that because um it's always better that way so you don't have to go hunt for it now if you're somebody out there who has uh, found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet you can check us out at calvescorner.com um right now you can read um uh griff's first story which is on uh to kai kirby uh talking about why he you know you know uva legacy why what it was about the cavaliers that, that sold him on it um I, that aforementioned column that i wrote about my dad is up um so check that out for had a recruiting roundup last week, which kind of seemed um, kind of he's kind of uh, he he didn't necessarily call his shot, but man, you read that stuff now, it's kind of prophetic. Um, and then Houston is is lined up some some stuff as well on the basketball side, so definitely give all that a look. I want to thank we'll, my we've favorite got franchise. some more stuff on the way too. Oh, for sure. Um, Ferber's been working through um, some changes to the uh, to the film room, and I think that's probably all I should say about that. Submit some upgrades if you no will. promises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll make sure the technology works before before we start singing it from the hilltops or the mountaintops because hilltops would be stupid. Um, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. I certainly want to thank Dave and Ferber for graciously their time as always. Very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.